This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast. August 19th. One of Star Trek's biggest icons. Or celebrity fans. Or both. We'll be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by actress and Star Trek Discovery star, Michelle Yeoh. There's far more good news than bad insight for humanity. Welcome back to Quoting Gene Roddenberry, and I'm very pleased to welcome back my co-host this week, Sharon Melton, journalist and author. And we are both very pleased to welcome our guest host this week, screenwriter and author Gary Whitta. Welcome, both of you. Hello, hello. Hey, great to be here. And um, let's just let's jump right into this really, really optimistic quote. Sharon, how yeah. does this quote resonate with you when you hear Gene say there's far more good news than bad? insight for humanity. I feel like I'm at work because I hear the good news and then that I'm in news that kind of piques my interest. So I'm like, we always hope for good news. And I love the ability of him to be so optimistic, even mm-hmm. in times like we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful. I'm hope that hoping that there is far more good news than bad insight for humanity, because right now it looks like humanity is going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. We all feel it. We see it every single day. I see it when I get up early in the morning before I have to present news to people. And sometimes you want to cry yourself (laughs) to sleep at night because of all the atrocities that are happening, not only in our country, but around the world. And you're thinking, is there a ray of sunshine? Is there any possibility that we can smile again? even though we have people dying in hospitals, even though we have people being shot up on the streets, even though we have people who are losing their jobs, even though we're having people who don't know where their next meal is coming from, things like that just makes you want to go in the opposite direction and think there is no hope for our own humanity because humanity is not acting humane. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, it also reminds me that maybe there is, maybe he saw something that we all need to be looking for. But maybe we need to start looking for the humanity within ourselves first. And that's what it calls to me. The good news is good news that we can help to create. We can't. And this is the problem I see a lot of times. We have a tendency of waiting for it to happen. We sit on the sidelines and wait for somebody else to do the good. So maybe we can jump on into it. Maybe we need to start doing the good. Maybe we need to get out of our own homes and help someone at a shelter. Maybe we need to 
spend some extra time during our lunch hour instead of just sitting down watching people walk across the street while you're trying to eat a sandwich. Put, eat, take a couple bites of your sandwich. Make sure you don't pass out because you got to eat. And then go help the person who's trying to cross the street with a bag of groceries. Maybe try to help fill somebody's gas when, when they're older and they can't do it because they yep. just are in pain. Yep. We need to step out of our own comfort zones and be a part of the good news that humanity is supposed to produce instead of waiting for it to land in our laps when we're just sitting there patiently, unpatiently, and it's not happening. You know, and I think a lot of times it's very easy for people to maybe see, you know, because this is not the first of the very optimistic quotes that we've discussed from Gene sure, Roddenberry. Sure. And in my opinion, his optimism and his love of humanity is a hallmark of who he was as a, a creator, as a storyteller. I obviously never knew him personally, but I imagine it is a hallmark of his, who he was as a person. And it's easy to think like, oh, you know, like it's so nice to just be like optimistic all the time, but that's not really realistic. And that's also a very valid belief. Like I can identify with this part of, uh, I don't know, this personality trait that I have gleaned from from discussing all of these quotes from Gene Roddenberry in that I try to be an optimistic person. And my very good friends will tell you, I am not optimistic all the time. I get hangry. <laughs> I get crabby. I used to have a pretty bad temper. And I've talked about this previously that through therapy and from being embarrassed by seeing how my explosive temper just looked to anybody outside of like my head, like I look like a crazy person that I wanted to do the work of, of getting beyond that. So now, um, not that I'm enlightened, but now with this new, I don't know, understanding of myself and my personality, I try to be optimistic, even when things aren't so optimistic. So I don't think anyone who knows me, it's any surprise that through the last administration, I was miserable almost on a daily basis. It was hard to be optimistic when the news of the day was very disheartening, to say the least. Um, and privately to my friends, yeah, I would be very pessimistic and fearful and had very emotional reactions to things that were happening. But I made a conscious effort that when I was expressing things publicly or to people I didn't know, I definitely tried to be as optimistic as possible. Well, you know, if we do work together, blah, 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 or uh, whatever, uh, because in my mind, I thought at the very least, putting out positive energy, maybe that will bounce back on me a little bit. And maybe that will trigger something in someone else to be positive and optimistic. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a magic key that will fix everything, but it could be a part of it. And whether or not we're optimistic all the time or whether or not we, you know, uh, do the work to help our fellow man, as I agree with you, Sharon, think we should, even putting it out there just for good karma, I think that that's a, a pretty good starting place. Mm -hmm. Gary, what do you think? So, I mean, this quote kind of feels like, you know, all, all of the, all of the Roddenberry quotes that we've been talking about this week have a similar theme, but there's, there's some thread of optimism in all of them, right? Some mm -hmm. more obvious than others. This one kind of feels like the most purely distilled, you know, dose of optimism, right? It's kind of boiled down to its barest essence. Like, you know, kind of the, the glass is half full, basically. Mm -hmm. It's not half empty. It's half full. And what I think is interesting about it is it does make room for the idea that it's not like the bad time where we're going to get to the point where all the bad times are over and we're just living in some kind of utopian mm -hmm. bliss it's acknowledging yes there is bad in the world and there will continue to be bad in the world but my optimistic view is that the good will always 
outweigh the bad, right? You know, and, and good will always ultimately triumph over equal. And the moral arc of the universe always ultimately is long, but it bends towards justice, right? There's all different ways of kind of saying right. the same thing. And, you know, I think, I, I think kind of tempered optimism is, is uh, or kind of grounded optimism, however you want to describe it, is like, I think that's kind of how I try to live my life. I'm as crabby as the next person. I'm kind of known <laughs> as a bit of a grump, a very cantankerous person. I kind of got that Larry David, like I spend most of my time complaining about stupid trivia and like, you know, things <laughs> like that. I get bound up in ridiculous things. But, you know, when you take a step back from that, you know, you try, you, you think about what is your actual kind of, you know, view of life. And I think we all like to think of ourselves as, as optimistic people. And again, you know, the times that we're living through, it's not easy. And I don't necessarily always believe that, you know, if you think, if you think about it like this, I, I, I try not to kind of get too pessimistic, but like technology, um, yeah, as, as in so many ways over the, over the, however many thousand years of human civilization, you know, we've, we've progressed so much in so many ways, but in, but in other ways, all we've done is kind of come up with new and more technological, technologically advanced ways to kill each other. Right. And, and fight the same wars that we've been fighting for thousands of years. It's one of the few elements of kind of Star Trek mythology and world building that I've always had a little bit of, um, of a problem with this idea that I don't know if it was ever much in the original series, but the next generation, they kind of got into this idea that once a society uh, is capable of warp flight, mm -hmm. they're ready to be, they're ready to be kind of welcomed into the galactic yes. community of nations. I don't think that's necessarily should necessarily be the bar as human society has shown a, 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 a civilization's technological advancement and its moral advancement aren't necessarily in sync with each other. And often the technological advancement gets, you know, gets way ahead of the moral advancement. Like I, no moral civilization would ever have built nuclear weapons, right? Gee, it's okay, we can do it. We split the atom. Now what? Oh, let's turn it into a bomb. Like the society that decides that has no place being welcomed into a greater community yeah. of nations yeah. or, or, or species or planets. And I kind of feel like if I were the Vulcans, and I'd have detected you know, Zephyr Cochran's <laughs> first warp flight. I would have said, hmm, that's interesting. But before we go say hello, let's take a closer look. Like, what are these people actually all about? Oh, well, they already destroyed each other. They, 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 built, a, they built a nuclear, we a nuclear <laughs> arsenal of weapons capable of destroying their own planet and rendering it uninhabitable for a thousand years a hundred times over. I mean, that doesn't sound great. And you kind of have to think not just in terms of, well, this is what they can do technologically, but here's, but here's what they chose to do. Here are the choices they made mm -hmm. with, the mm -hmm. with the technological advancements they made. And so I think that's, I think that's always a, a, a kind of a more interesting way to think about it. But overall, getting back to kind of the, the, the heart of this, um, again, I think this is like as purely distilled Gene Roddenberry as you're ever going to get. You can go through like a million of his quotes. And this one to me kind of gets to the heart of the matter. But yes, there'll, there'll always be good and bad. But if you if you choose to be an optimist, you all, you, again, you don't have this kind of kumbaya belief that, everything, that the bad yeah. is ever going to be yeah. completely extinguished. Because again, that battle is always, I think, fundamentally part of the human condition, battling your kind of inner demons and, and having, you know, your better angels prevail. And we talked about it on an earlier version of the show. If we ever figure it all out, like what's next, right? Mm -hmm. Part of this, part, part of what keeps us going is the idea that there's always something else to kind of figure out, and there's always something else to strive for, or reach for, or a way to kind of think about how we can be better. So, while not failing to acknowledge the bad, believing even even in the face even in the face of like you know what you might argue is overwhelming evidence that there's there's more there's more bad and there's more there's more there's a really interesting philosophical question. Do you think there's more bad than good in the world right now? Like, what's mm -hmm. the how? How does that balance out? Like, right now, today, 
in the in, in the human experience is there more is there more bad bad than good in the world right now i think you could make an argument either way it's not but it's not about the evidence it's about what you choose to believe yes in the future and again he's making a forward-looking statement here right there's more good news than bad insight is it what you know what's coming down the road mm -hmm. you could say that yeah we're a pretty we're a pretty messed up species right now but i choose to believe that things again that things can and will get better not worse is 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 about as fundamental you know a worldview statement and speaks to kind of who you are and how you view the world than almost anything else so again a very kind of purely distilled gene roddenberry you know and one of the things that you mentioned we've touched on a little bit before about like why haven't you know if why haven't aliens contacted us yet maybe they have maybe they have it and we've joked around that maybe they have come they've you know, they came to our neighborhood and they're like, oh, they're not ready yet. We're going to peace out. Maybe in the next hundred years, humans, we're going to pass on by. So so maybe that that kind of plays into it, too. And I do love how you kind of like uh, uh, honed in on on the on the point of this quote is that it's not so much that there's, you know, good news and bad news. Yes, there is. But it's about the importance of focusing on the good over the bad, which is interesting because Sharon, you as a journalist yeah. and, and reporting on news is your business, is your is your occupation. Yes. Um, how, what are your thoughts on on that? Like the importance or maybe the responsibility of, of reporting on is, should it be 50 50 good and bad news or I don't think you can always do that because it just depends on the day. It depends on a lot of times what the biggest stories are, the ones that are going to impact the people that are in your neighborhood, in your community, around the world. It, it just depends. I would hope, I would hope that we could do a 50-50, but there are times when we've done a 75 yeah. and a 25 where it was yeah. bad. And yeah. sadly, then there was only 25% that was good. But for instance, we have school about to start all over the country in a couple of weeks. Some school systems have already opened. What I have noticed that there's so many back to school events that we've covered lately. So many um, kids trying to get back to school, getting things together, vaccinations, things of that nature. And we've kind of flipped it a little bit to try to give some optimism to let people know that there are still resources out there to help you. If you have no, don't have money, you can uh, go to this location over the weekend. There's like seven events going on just in our here, area here in Houston where people are getting free backpacks for their kids. They're getting mm. free uh, school supplies. I They're love getting that. free food. They are getting their vaccinations all on site to give people hope because we still have a responsibility in the business and news. At least I believe, I know some of my colleagues don't, I know some mm -hmm. people in this industry do not, mm -hmm. that we do have a responsibility of helping our communities out. And while that means sometimes we have to talk about the bad, there are a lot of good things still going on. Because yeah. if we don't give people hope, if we don't talk about those hopeful things, there will not be hope for a lot of people. And especially people who have, as I mentioned in other episodes this week, about not having jobs and thinking they have nothing left to mm -hmm. live for. Mm -hmm. And we've had an increase, and I hate to even bring this up, but I have to because we've sadly over these past 17 months during this pandemic have had a huge increase of suicides because people have forgotten about having hope because they don't see any end in sight. And it's something yeah. that we have to remember and maintain. And as Gene Roddenberry mentioned, maybe there is still good news out there because there is, but we have to find it. Yes. And sometimes we've had to work even harder just to find the little bits, but even the little minute bit of good news is better than no good news at all. One of the first things that I thought about when I read this quote, because it's a very, it's a short quote, 
you know what he's saying. It's, it's, yes. you know, there's no hedging. He's saying exactly there's bad news and good news, but let's focus on the good. And I mentioned that, you know, the last, you know, I kind of struggled through the last administration and even through the last year, like the, the COVID lockdown and, and it was just demoralizing and scary. And we just did not know what to expect. But I found personally in my life, like the silver lining, hope and compassion from people that I knew personally. Like I have a nurse and frontline worker friends and I have to shout out my friend, uh, Joe Barbicus, who's an amazing nurse here in Los Angeles. My my compassionately political friends, uh, shout out to my friend, Emma Bates-Zar, who her Instagram feed is always about really important, compassionate political issues. And my environmentally aware friends, like my best friend, Sarah Stanley back home in Michigan, like these are people that I know and care about. And I love them so much for a plethora of reasons. But one of the reasons is because they also care about other people. Joe puts himself on the line every day in a pandemic where he's putting his, you know, health and safety at risk in the aid of other people. And, you know, both Emma and Sarah, like they, they want to spread information, try to Educate's not the right word, but at least try to give people more things to think about rather than just, you know, the really bad news or the really ridiculous, frivolous news. And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with, you know, focusing on fun frivolity, because as a lover of pop culture, I like to tune out and just watch reality TV, the Real Housewives of so-and-so, and just tune out. But the fact that that these people that I know and I care about uh, actively work toward helping people in whatever way they can, bar- large and small. That has helped me tremendously when the news that I am faced with, you know, on the TV or in the media or just on the street when I see, you know, homelessness or, or whatever, those kinds of things have have really helped me. So I guess my question is uh, to wrap, what are kind of some optimistic things in both of your lives that maybe have helped you uh, weather the storm of when the news gets kind of, you know, overwhelming, the bad news gets overwhelming? How How do you swing back to the positive? The place I go to with that is always uh, Fred Rogers, who... I put up there with Roddenberry and Rod yeah. Serling and all these other kind of great, mm-hmm. you know, visionary voices, people who, sent, who who ultimately, you know, they all had one common thread. They ultimately all believed in the fundamental goodness and decency of, of people and how that will always, again, in the long run, triumph over the bad stuff. And I remember, I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember someone talking to, to Fred Rogers years ago in some interview saying like, how do you even, because if you think about the, the beauty of Fred Rogers was, you know, he talked to, to children. He knew innately mm-hmm. how to talk to children and like just re- things I never even understood. I remember watching an episode one time when I, we had, when our daughter was very young and she was watching it. Um, he did a whole episode about how it's okay to sit on the grown up party and how the party's not going to like, you're not going to get like flushed down the toilet. I'm like, yeah. my wife who used to be a nanny. Is that something the kids really worry about? Said, oh yeah. And it's like, I didn't know that, but he did. And he yeah. understood how to talk to the kid in the unique, he understood the way that kids brains work and, and, and related to him in a way that, that was, uh, unparalleled. And, but then he did it, but he did an episode after like someone tried to kill Reagan and he spoke mm-hmm. to kids about that, like really hard stuff. 
And, he, and no matter how difficult it was, he understood there was always a way to talk to children about it because they're smarter and tougher than, than you get, that a lot of people give them credit for if you just know how to engage them. And the one that always stuck with me was I think someone spoke to him after 9-11 about like, how do you even begin to talk to, I remember when January 6th happened, I had to turn off the TV. I kind of my nine-year-old kid watching that because I don't even know how, how to explain that yeah, to her, yeah. something that awful. And after 9-11, a lot of parents had the, same, had the same question. They asked Fred Rogers, how do you even begin to explain, like when a kid's watching that on TV, like how do you even talk to them about it? And he, he said, the way to talk to a child about that is you always say, look for the people who are helping. Look for the helpers. Anytime something terrible happens, and it is terrible, that's when you always see like that. That's what brings the in a weird way brings the best out of people. The people that do run into a burning building to pull you out, who will sacrifice their own life, who will risk themselves to help others. Like it brings the best. You know, the worst things bring the best out of us. And that was that was Fred Rogers' take on it. Was like even when you see those darkest moments, it's actually an opportunity to see to see humanity at its best. So that look for the helpers uh, speech always really stuck with me. I love that. And before we wrap up, Trent, I wanted to, I love the way he brings that about the first responders and the helpers. And also yes. I, yes. we can't all be first responders or helpers, but one thing I always love to do is to find some place to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And even if it's, thank goodness, because of Zoom, we're able to do it even online. I volunteered a lot with a lot of young girls to try to help build their self-esteem because they weren't feeling so well about what was going on. So we would talk, we would talk about how you could interview one day when you can go ahead and try to apply for a job. And some of these girls are as young as 11, 12 years old. Some of them are women who are in their about 26, 27, 28. And just building that self-esteem, if you can just step out of your own comfort zone, even during the rough times and try to create your own good news by helping other people, I think that can be a world of help to so many people who are desperate to find even more good news in their own lives. Uh, I love ending on this note. Thank you both so much. And listeners, if you would like to watch a video of today's quote being read, you can check it out on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join the three of us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, Post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs>